Today, I'm sitting down with Leah Black. Leah is a philanthropist, skincare expert, best-selling author, mother, wife, and the Real Housewives of Miami star. If you know me, you know I love me some Real Housewives, and Leah is one of the best. Leah is smart, a savvy businesswoman, and has her own amazing podcast and live show, Lunch with Leah Black. For over a year now, I've loved listening to Leah on SiriusXM's Jeff Lewis Live, and after hearing Jeff rave about her skincare products, I had to give them a try. A week later, I'd ordered her entire line. They're so good, they convinced me to give up my old trusty pharmacy bar of soap and moisturizer. I can't wait to interview Leah so you can hear her wisdom and insights and the no-nonsense straight talk she loves as much as I do. All right, you ready? Let's do it. Welcome to the Zimmerman Podcast with your host, CEO, wedding professional, educator, and mom, Jessica Zimmerman. In just two years, Jessica went from facing bankruptcy to taking home a six-figure salary. She turned a business-saving $100,000 loan into a million-dollar empire. As a creative entrepreneur, a healthy work-life balance seems just as unattainable as a six-figure income. But Jessica Zimmerman is here to show you it's possible. With the right tools and insider tips and some hard work, your craziest dreams can become your daily routine. If you set some boundaries and commit to healthy changes, you can create a business and a life you love. So let's make your business work for you. We have to start where I first learned about you, and that's the Real Housewives of Miami. <laughs> and I could tell you the thing that was so like, I, everyone was fun to watch on that show. But I honestly, I immediately had respect for you when I saw the Black's annual gala, because as someone who's worked in the event industry for a decade, gosh, I just, I know the work that goes into a good event. Yeah. Did you, did you, and you worked on that event all year long, right? For tw- every year for 22 years. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. What can you tell us about the process and what that taught you? Well, you know, I had a background in sales and marketing, so it was probably easier for me than it might have been if someone had never been in sales and marketing. But, um, you know, it was the most difficult part in the beginning. I started in my house. I did it in my backyard and we had about three or 400 people. And we outgrew that. We went to the country club and we went outgrew that. We went to a hotel. And when we got into going to the hotels, then the price started getting higher because you have the expenses, you know, related expenses to the hotels. So then we had to raise the ticket prices. But I think the most, um, in the beginning, I didn't have any talent. We just had a, a band play or a musician play or something like that. And then when I my big breakthrough was when I had Barry Gibb from the Bee Gees perform inside the ballroom in my house. And um, so what happened with that is we sold a dollar number for inside the house with the ballroom. And then... Um, Everyone else was outside on the property with big video screens. So once I got Barry Gibb, it was made it a, easier for me to get other talent. And that's when we really started making bigger money because we could sell the tickets for a lot more. And that's when I was able to get, um, you know, we got, um, oh my God, I mean, oh, I can't think of all the names, but we got Patty LaBelle, we got Nicole, uh, uh, Natalie Cole, we got um, Aretha Franklin at the last one we did. We got Queen Latifah and Tony Bennett one year together when they first released that song of them being doing it together. I was able to get Rick Ross and Flo Rida and Pharrell Williams and Pitbull. And um, we got just John Cicada. We got over and over and over year after year, I was able to get talent. And most of the years I only had to pay twice that I had to pay for the talent. I was able to get them to do it for free. So that was the hardest part was locking down the talent. And then after that, of course, all the logistics and that's a nightmare keeping a lot of people that spend a lot of money on tickets happy. (laughs) There's always someone complaining about something. So that became a challenge. Absolutely. How many years did you do the gala before you uh, got that big talent, that first big break? Probably about maybe four, three or four years. Yeah, I think that's so important. I think so many people think that those things 
should happen instantly. And they yeah. don't. You really yeah. have to work no, hard. No, I mean, listen, I knew Barry. So getting him wasn't really hard, but I knew it was going to irritate a lot of people that I did it because a lot of people wanted to get him for their events. So, but so finally I took the plunge one year and got him. And then after that, I had to just work my relationships. I mean, like I'm talking about work them and work them and work them. It take me months and weeks and years. I mean, sometimes it's two or three years before I should actually get somebody. But uh, I just had to grind it out. And sometimes we would just start the gala and pray. And other times we would get a date that would work for the talent and then start the gala. So it, it was a lot, believe me, accommodating 700, 800 people in a ballroom in a fancy hotel where everybody's expecting VIP service and the top of everything and everybody thinks they should be on the front row. And it was a lot. But, you know, 22 years later, I after Aretha Franklin, I just sort of decided, you know, the fat lady sang <laughs> and, you know, we're not going to do any better than this. And I'm exhausted and let's just take a break. So I'm not saying we won't ever do it again, but we, that was the last one we did. I cannot imagine doing, being in the event industry for 22 years. Like I just can't imagine. It's such a huge event. Okay. So here's a question. How do you know, for example, so I have a, I have a book coming out in May and I, I know a few celebrities. I know a few, but how do you decide? Like for me, I think, gosh, I don't want to ask them to do, you know, to promote my book or how do you ride that line? How do you know, like now it's time to make a call and asking for a favor? How do you do that? It's not easy. Well, I remember, uh, you know, when I put my book out, I got Courtney Love. I was going to dinner with her one night. And so I just put the book in my handbag. And then I said, oh, I want to give you a copy of my book. And she opened it up and said, oh, this will be fun. I love a tra trashy novel. And I said, would you mind if I just photographed with it? Were you with it? And she said, absolutely not. So once I had her photo, I just promoted her photo myself. I never asked her to do it. And then when you do it that way, sometimes if you know them well enough or whatever, you can send them the picture and say, oh my God, thank you so much. I just love it. And sometimes they'll just do it and they'll just post it. Right. So that's how I did it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So the book you're talking about is Red Carpet and White Lies, right? Correct. It's just a trashy novel. In fact, page six said I was the next Jackie Collins. <laughs> Because it was kind of a covert, um, camouflaged way of exposing certain characters that red carpets and white lies. Yes. Goodness. Okay. So what was that process like for you with the book? Like, what was that? Because uh, people don't know what a great businesswoman you are. You know, you watch Real Housewives and you just see a housewife and having fun and everything. And then when I saw that gala, I mean, listen, they're housewives that do little charity things, but this was, I knew I was like, no, this woman knows what she's doing. Well, remember uh, with our gala too, we guaranteed that a hundred percent of all the money went to the uh, charity because we didn't, the only, I had one person on staff and that was Jason. And then I paid an event manager a very small amount and every uh, event planning company, a very small amount to do the logistics, but every other dollar went to the cause and I got sponsors to underwrite the expenses. So that was what also made it so hard. A lot of these charities pick up the phone. I need 300 centerpieces. I need, st st you know, steak or chicken. You know, I need some candles on the table. We got everything either donated free or got a sponsor to pay for it. So that was what really made it hard. When you do something, and I'm I'm not just saying this, I can just tell, you can tell that you are doing it to a level of excellence. Like you're not going to put your name on it if it's not going to be done well. And so when you got the opportunity to write the book, like what was that whole process like? You know, for years I had written columns and articles and editorials for I wrote for the Huffington Post. I wrote some political op-eds. I wrote for some magazines. I, I interviewed people like, you know, Ted Kennedy and the guy that started uh, Amer uh, Air America and uh, uh, what was his name? Mike Wallace. So I'm kind of a natural writer. It just, it comes very easy for me to write. And so one night I was at dinner with this book publisher agent. No, it was an agent in L.A., and I remember I was at Koi on uh, La Cienega, and I just started telling him stories about Miami. You know, we were just gossiping. And he said, oh, my God, you should write a book. And I said, well, you know, I'd never be able to eat in that town again, you know, which is a play on the word of the book. I'll, you'll never eat in this town again if I wrote 
uh, if I told wrote the book of everything I know, I, I said I would definitely have to camouflage the characters. And he said, well, you should be like Jackie Collins then. And I laughed about it. And then he said, no, I'm really, I'm serious. So I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to write a damn book. So yeah. I, I, at that time, I had a BlackBerry. And I wrote the whole thing on my BlackBerry because I would write You're it. Kidding. No, no, because I'm not one to sit at a computer. So I would write it in my car or at a stoplight. I would write it waiting for the dentist office. I would write it waiting at my kid's school. I would just write it wherever I was at the time. I just wrote out the book. And then I hired an editor to just clean it up. And he just cleaned it up. He basically made sure that the chapters were divided properly and there weren't a bunch of grammar mistakes in it. And I sent it off to this. Um, you know, I sent it off to this agent and she was like, oh my God, this is fabulous. And so, so then I just got a, a, the Buford uh, books, print, uh, printed it and it, it did very well. And then they wanted me to do two more books, but then I got lazy and I never did. I'm still thinking about doing one, but I'm sort of thinking about, I was thinking about doing one about the behind the scenes of the Real Housewives and camouflaging those characters and really exposing who and what and read the ridiculousness oh that, gosh, that went you on. Totally should. <laughs> you totally should. It well, would do I, was, so I well. really was thinking about it. And then Jeff Lewis said, if I were you, I don't think I would do that because you'll never get on television again. I was like, well, I'm probably never going to be on TV again anyway. So why, what difference does it make? But I kind of got lazy. Um, I cannot tell you how much, I mean, I'm totally skipping around, but you brought him up. So yeah. I love you on his show. Yeah. And I, um, so yeah, so I first learned about you from Real Housewives and then I, um, I would just, I really like, you know, there's just people that you're like, man, that's a fascinating life. Like your life is fascinating. So you grew up in Texas yeah. and we'll get back to Jeff in a second, which I think is fascinating that you grew up in Texas. I, um, have grown up in Arkansas and I feel, uh, that we're, we, I, I don't want to say a hundred percent cause, uh, you know, but I, Brian and I've talked, my husband and I've talked quite a bit lately about moving, about moving to, to California or just, uh, you know, to a, a bigger city and to, you know, get some more experience and stuff. And, um, I, I don't know, we just feel, we just feel ready, you know, to do that. I've yeah, been you, ready. You feel like you've sort of outgrown your environment a little yes, bit. Yes. Yeah. And I, that, I hate, I hate saying it that way, but that's yeah. just the truth. Yeah. You're right. But and, a lot of people love the small town. Listen, all my relatives are still in Texas and I couldn't pay them enough to move out. And so they're happy there, but then, so, you know, sometimes you just outgrow an environment because you want a little more than what's available in that area. And it's not anything, um, uh, it's nothing uh, critical of where you are. It's just that they don't maybe, I mean, listen, a big city is going to offer more than a small city if you want in business. For example, in terms of relationships, a small city is probably going to offer more. It depends on what yeah. you want, you know? Everyone I work with now just about is in California. Like everyone who I'm doing this book with is in California. And um, anyway, we I, I was there, I think, eight times in 2019, traveling for work and speaking and all of that. And so, but I, I think it's fascinating. So you grew up in Texas and then did you meet, where did you meet? Did you move to Miami and then meet Roy or? Yeah, I, I grew up in Texas and then I immediately uh, went to Houston and I taught dance lessons at Fred Astaire and went to school part-time. And then after, um, I know. And then I can't even remember what I did. I did Fred Astaire and then, and then I went to school and then I, oh, and then I got into the skincare business and that took me traveling here and there. And then I decided to do it on my own. And then I, uh, I just, I, I set up an office in Dallas, Houston and San Antonio. And I did it out of there for a few years. And then I set up an office in Miami because I wanted to be a gateway for Central and South America. And then I started selling in Central and South America. And then I started basing out of Miami. And then once basing out of Miami, um, I decided to live in Palm Beach because I was traveling so much. And Palm Beach, was just, living on the water there was just fabulous. And it was a little more, um, I don't know, it was just peaceful. So I, I had the office in Miami, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, and then I, San Juan, Puerto Rico. And I based out of uh, Miami, I mean, out of, out of uh, Palm Beach for a while. And that's when I called on the jury, which was sequestered. And then after the jury, about a year later, I ran into Roy at the Colonnade Hotel when they had the Hurricane Andrew because there was no electricity anywhere. And anyone that was anybody went to the only hotel that had water and electricity. And I ran into him there. That's how I met him. Personally met him after the trial. Uh-huh. And so, um, 
you were, but you were already doing your own thing. You already were having your business yeah. and doing yeah, I your had own the thing. skincare company since 1984, I think it was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to talk about your skincare. Do you get annoyed when people are like, well, that's all Roy. Like she didn't do any of that because you did establish yourself and make your yeah. own money. You know, it really, I don't really, I hate to say this. It's really horrible. But one of my taglines was I care about a lot of things, but what others think of me isn't one of them. And honestly, I, I hate to say it, but it's kind of true. Mm-hmm. Now I care about people that I know and what they think of me because they know me. And I hope that, you know, I'm, I'm worthy of them thinking good things about me. But as far as people I don't know, I mean, there's no reason for me to feel like I need to impress them. I just don't feel like, I mean, I don't know them. They don't know me. I, so their opinions just, I mean, it's a perception. So I just never really got under my skin. But, um, and Roy doesn't, I mean, listen, if I was the biggest, if I was bigger star than uh whoever picks one, uh, Lady Gaga, he could care less too. He, we just don't measure ourselves that way. I don't, I've never thought of myself as a celebrity. I've never thought of myself as a big deal. I've just always been the simple girl, like simple things, but, but, you know, I, I've never done things for really, uh, the approval or to impress other people. Like if right. I wear fabulous stuff, it's because I like it. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, if I buy the most expensive thing, it's because I like it. Otherwise I'll just go to Target. I don't really care. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, oftentimes when you see strong marriages, that's what it is. It's the, the respect there is, has been built from the beginning and there really is a genuine appreciation and respect for each other. Yeah. Yeah. And there is no jealousy. How long have y'all been married? Uh, probably 25 years, if I were guessing, thereabouts, you know. But all last year, I said my age. Uh, I thought I was one age. And my husband said, Jessica, that's not how old you are. And I was like, I always thought that was crazy when my parents. Yeah. Would yeah. say they didn't know how old they were. They didn't know how long they'd been married. But I've officially gotten there. You know that was that's funny because when remember when Elizabeth Warren they started calling her Pocahontas, and uh-huh. I was started laughing because I was like, if you grew up in Texas during that time period, everybody thought that you were an American Indian. Your grandparents said that to you. Mm-hmm. You just thought you were, and so the fact that she thought she was, and her grandparents and her parents just reinforced that to me was so silly and irrelevant to be saying someone's lying about being American right. Indian when she was like, it wasn't. She, she thought she was. Most people that grow, grow up in Texas and Oklahoma thought that they were. And that's mm-hmm. how I feel about pretty much everything. It's, like, it's just like, does it matter? You know, if you don't celebrate your birthday, does it matter? Every day is your birthday. You know, if you don't celebrate, you know, every anniversary, does it matter? You're happy, you're married. I mean, I just think people worry about the wrong things sometimes. Want to know the first step to booking more clients? You've got to have a website. And not just any website, but a site built to book. If you're just starting your business, you're probably wondering how you can share about your work, gain clients, and start making money. The answer to all of these things is your website. When I first started my business, I didn't have the money to pay a professional brand expert to create the brand you see here today, but I didn't have to. I used the resources I had to invest in my business and create a brand that would attract the type of client I wanted to work with, supported by a website that was built to transform searching brides into lifelong clients. If you want a simple guide to how to create a site that books without having to invest thousands in a branding expert before you're ready, you need a winning website. To learn more, go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash website. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash website. Okay, last question about Real Housewives. So when that opportunity came along, did like some people, you know, Bethany Frankel has been very clear that she got into that for business. You know, some people are obviously the paycheck is nice. Um, You know, what made you, what was that like? How did that get brought to you? What was that conversation like with you and Roy? And, and what made you say yes to it? Well, originally I, 
I didn't, I said no, but I know a lot of people that would be good for it when the producers came to me and I started giving them people to interview and setting up stuff. And finally one day they said, well, you know, do you have any place we could do it? And that was before at the office downtown. I said, well, you can interview them at my house. So then of course, everyone I recommended sat there and wouldn't say anything. So I started interviewing them to get them to talk. And the producers like, you have to do the show. You have to, you have to just film a little bit, just a little bit. And I just thought it wasn't for me, but I had never watched the housewife show so I didn't even really know what it was and then I started filming a little bit uh to get this one girl on the show primarily and uh it turned out backstabbing me after yeah, all yeah 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 I can and, I know. <laughs> you know uh, but um and then finally I just you know it was like they like they like, really need to and you know Bravo wants like a you know, established, you know, socialite or business person or you were that whole show. Can I just say it? You were that whole show. Oh I my mean, God. Was- I don't you think know? anyone else would agree with you, but you know, so I just said, Oh, what the hell I'll do it. And so I signed up to do it. And I remember Ingrid Caceres was like, you know, Madonna said, don't do it. And then later she came back and said, no, you should just go ahead and do it. And I said, oh, I'll just damn do. Oh, I know what happened. I talked to this other girl that was a housewife in New York that was no longer on the show anymore. And she gave me a hundred reasons why not to do it and how horrible it was and how she had to pay money to get out of her contract and all this stuff. Then I found out later she was begging me to get back on the show and it just irritated me. I was like, you know what? I'm not telling somebody. <laughs> so I just did yeah. it. I don't know what's wrong with me. So I did it. And then after I did it, I watched one show and had happened to be the one where Teresa flipped the table. And then I said, well, uh, what I really got myself into, and I made a decision right then and there that I just was, I would do the show. It was going to be exactly who I was. I wouldn't fake anything. And, and I was never going to do anything that would embarrass me, myself, or my husband, or my, um, my, my kid who's now 18, that would never embarrass him now or down the road. So I always never put myself out there in a way that would embarrass uh anybody that knew me. So that was my only standard that I kept. But the truth is, I lived that way anyway. So that wasn't a big deal. It's just I was very aware of the fact that they push your buttons and they try to, you know, get you to react. And I just wasn't going to take the bait. Other than that, everything about the show, you know, is very, I, I didn't even think about the cameras. I just went on about my life, you know. Well, gosh, you were so enjoyable to watch. It was well, so <laughs> It was such a good escape. You know what I mean? For yeah. us, it was just like, well, oh, that's so kind of why I did it because I thought, you know, I'll promote the charity a little bit and it'll just be something fun to do. I didn't realize how big the franchise was and how many people watched it and what a big deal it was when I signed on. I really thought it was like an old local reality show. I didn't really, I didn't really get it. What's fascinating, and Jeff points this out a lot on his show, is is the audience is smart business people like it's yeah. just it's not yeah. I don't know it's 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 it was it's just a guilty pleasure it it's is. just a guilty it pleasure is. yeah what do you think the difference is between being you know well known in your community and then being nationally known like was that an overnight thing see was that's that- why it didn't really affect me because because of the charity because of my husband already being high profile because how many years we lived here we are already everybody knows who we are i mean everybody so for me all of a sudden everybody knew who i was nationally it, it was like so <laughs> it's like even when i did my skincare seminars all over the world they knew when i went to indonesia and thousands of women would show up they knew who i was when i would go to puerto rico and hundreds would show up they knew who i was so for me being recognized and people knowing who i was it just didn't affect me it still doesn't affect me i i go out of my way when someone comes up and rec- you know introduces themselves or wants to meet me or get a photo i go out of my way not because of my ego or it makes me feel good because the truth is it's it, to me, it's just another day. I do it because I know how much courage it takes for them to come up and do it. And I don't want to make them feel bad about it. And if it makes their day a little happier, that they have a photo of an ex-housewife or something, it's not a big deal for me. That's why I do it. A lot of these girls do it because they really are like E.T. going to the light. They just have to have that attention. They have to feed that. They just have to have that attention. And once it's gone, they can't let it go. And that's, that's, I've never been that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, I mean, you can tell, you can tell. Um, okay. So you were on Jeff Lewis's show flipping out and I can say, because I teach uh, people how to have profitable businesses. And one of my biggest 
uh, modules in my program is talking about building a team. And I can't tell you how many times I want to scream at that television with Jeff. <laughs> like, you're not the right people. And why yeah, are you hiring yeah. this person? You know, and yeah. so when you came in there and you did, which by the way, I just want to say too, that I feel like I understand that man. Like, I get it. I get why he's so passionate or why he gets upset. Like, I, I do understand him coming from like this level of excellence. But I also feel like, man, uh, it, 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 we, you could be so much further along. You know what I mean? Like, it could be so I much- have had that conversation with him a hundred times. <laughs> like, I've said it a hundred times. I know. And I think it's because of the team. And so when you came in there yeah. and you did that business seminar, yeah, I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. She knows, like she gets, like this is a legit businesswoman. But like, he holds himself crazy. back, you know. He he gets in his own way, and part of that's because he has a really big heart, and he gets kind of attached to people and takes them along for the ride. But also, part of it is that he would prefer to work with somebody that he just really likes to hang out with more than someone that is five levels higher in expertise. <laughs> so, you know, but I, he enjoys it and he enjoys what he does. And, you know, the people that don't get along with him don't last long and the ones that get along with him last a long time. Right. And I, I think too, uh, and, and, and I'm not saying that he does this, I'm just saying in general, you know, I had been in this, in the event industry for a while. And then I was in this educate, this kind of online education world and doing this book right now, I'm the dumbest person in the room the dumbest person in the room. And it's been, it's been very humbling, but it's also been so, I was telling a friend the other day, I said, I didn't really realize that for the past five years, I'd kind of surrounded myself by people who, what I said goes. And like, it was like, yes, I think you, you think that's a good idea. Yes. Do it, Jessica. And it's really been such a growing experience to be around people who know so much more than me about this and and for them to say actually I don't think that's a good idea and it makes me stop and think and I think it's really comforting to know all the answers right and then we then we go into a new field and we don't know the answers and yeah. we're like and but it's been really fascinating it really well, really has and the thing is like to me I mean I have to work with people I'm compatible with I mean, forget it. If I'm not compatible with them, I don't care how smart they are. I don't want to know them. On the other hand, I just cannot deal with stupid people. That is just, that was one of my other taglines. I can deal with a lot of things, but I can't deal with stupid. So that I can't. I just can't. Pushes all my buttons, drives me crazy, and I won't do it. But I feel like your workforce should be like your real estate. You want your house to be the cheapest one in the neighborhood so it goes up in value. Well, I feel like I want the smartest people around me so that they elevate my success, not, you know, drag it down. So that's just one of my little philosophies of how I like to work. I hope this episode is blowing your mind so far. For years, I hated Pinterest and I held a grudge for the clients it stole from me when it first came out on the scene. But believe me when I say Pinterest has earned my forgiveness. Today, I do almost all of my marketing through Pinterest and I get inquiries from big budget ideal clients every single week. If you want to start using Pinterest to get leads and money in the bank, you need the power of pinning. Check it out now at thepowerofpinning.com. Okay, so I want to talk about skincare because here's the thing. I feel like if there's one thing, like if I could say, if somebody said, what is something that you are really good at? I feel like I'm really good at sales. I feel like I I can I can sell things. And so I feel like I also know when people are being genuine and when they're doing those tricks, right? Those uh, marketing, you know, uh, yeah. tricks yeah. To, to sell something. And here's what I found out. Awesome. Uh, fascinating is that I was listening to Jeff Lewis live and he's talking about this CBD eye cream. And I also know that he's not going to lie about things. He doesn't want, um, I've already do live reads before. And as soon as he's done, he's like, I mean, who's that, who's going to buy that? You know? And I'm just like, <laughs> yes, you're going to get fired. Stop. But, um, but he kept coming in time and you weren't even on the show half the time. And he was still talking about this CBD eye cream. And I thought, what is so good about this eye cream? Then you come on one day, and this is what I found fascinating. You kind of barely talked about it. Like he talked about it, you kind of, and then you, 
you said something along the lines of, listen, it works. And people tell people that it works. And I don't, that's why I don't even have to market it. And I thought, she's exactly right. Like I've never really heard her hawk her skincare line or anything like that. And you know, then it's funny said, for years, people didn't even know it was in the business. Right. But, right. You know, we've been doing it since 1980 something. Yeah. I thought, oh, like this lady is like, she knows this stuff. And then you would just talk about it a little bit at a time, but almost as if you were like a skincare encyclopedia, like you knew all the terms. And I thought, okay, this is legit and I'm going to try it. So I tried it and I'm not kidding you. I, I tried that eye cream and the next day I was like, I look five years younger because I'm now at the age where I'm, you know, I'm getting my Botox twice a year and stuff like that. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this looks like, how did that do, how did, how did she make that. So then I immediately go back to your website and order everything. I order the the face wash. I order the 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 scrub, the exfoliant. I order the the complete facial treatment that sudden youth, the CBD uh serum and the and the moisture. I mean I all of it. I've ordered well, I all appreciate of it. Multiple, that. Multiple, <laughs> I mean I'm I'm buying it every other month. I'm buying the whole package. Well that's the one thing that you can tell if a product works, people reorder it. So if we I have never honestly I can say I've never really had a product that didn't work, but I mean, I've had a few that didn't sell that well over the years, but if they don't sell well and people don't reorder them, then you don't have a good product because your customers will tell you whether it works or not based on the reorders. And if you go to my Instagram and you look at the testimonials that we uh, I, we put them on every Tuesday, if you read these testimonials, these are all organic. People I don't know, haven't met, haven't heard about. And the, the remarkable stories I've learned from them about what the products do that the lab would never say that they, they would never make that claim. We didn't know they did those things. Uh, I've learned so much from these cuts. I mean, what the, if you read those, you'll just faint. I mean, everything from the bags or pops are gone to the circles are gone to the pores are smaller to this one woman said she'd had rosacea or her whole life. I mean, acne claims we don't even make. So I know that the reorders tell me that the product works. That's basically what I go by. Okay. So can we just start from the beginning with this? What made you want to go into skincare? Well, I worked for a skincare company, you know, kind of years ago um, in California, and I was really just good at it. But then when I quit working for it, I can't remember what I did after that, but uh, I I had this one thing my grandmother had always uh, worked for her, and she never had wrinkles. She lived till she was like 97. I mean, she maybe had wrinkles at the end of her life, but she always had gorgeous skin. And she had taken albumin, which are egg whites, and mixed it with uh, aloe vera gel and concocted this facial. And so I, uh, the skincare company I worked for, it had a similar product, but I thought my grandmother was better. So I just went to a lab and got top scientists. Actually, at that time, I was using the guy that did, developed a lot of the YSL products and a top chemist and developed this uh, facial non-surgical facelift kit that after it took us 10 years to, to be able to fix it from having to mix the gel and the powder together to put on to have it pre-mixed in the tube and one tube gets you like uh, oh, eight to 10 facials but it really did lift tone slough off the dead cells um, tighten the skin reduce the pore it size it. yeah it did yeah. yeah it does and it, and the results became accumulative and they started to build on each other so i took that product everywhere from switzerland to europe to france to italy to canada to puerto rico to the caribbean to central south america i took that one skincare product all over and then at one time i had built my lineup to have 400 different products i had skincare hair care nail care uh, nutrition and and every cosmetic thing available in every color. And when I saw that company, I said, if I ever get back into this, I'm just going to stick with skincare because it's just too much inventory, 400 products. And you have to have so much of everything. You're about 50,000 to get the price down. And it was so overwhelming. And the truth is there are a lot of really great cosmetic products that you can get the drugstore really cheap. The cosmetic products are not all that different. Like the same lab will make all the same pencils. The several few labs will make all the powders. So the real key was the skincare. So when I came 
after I decided to get back into the business, I launched a skincare line. And then for the last three to four years, I've been tracking, studying, researching, and developing the CBD with this guy in Northern Florida that's really pioneered the whole CBD movement. In skin, and he, he has ingestibles and I converted it to topicals. And so when I added the CBD to formulas, I mean, they just started flying off the shelf. So at that time, I just converted the entire line to the CBD line because the, or they were selling three to one, four to one, five to one, 10 to one. I mean, there was, I've never, the last time I've had anything that flew off the shelf and made as big of a uh, instant, uh, you know, marketing uh movement was when I did the sudden youth kit many years ago, the non-surgical facelift kit that I still sell now, but I don't, that one does not have the CBD in it because there's no benefit to CBD in it because you leave it on for 10 minutes, wash it off and the CBD doesn't stay. The CBD, I don't have it in the wash or the exfoliant because your, those are products that just go on and off, but I have it in the serum, uh, the, the moisturizer, the eye cream, and then the oil that we're coming out with, it'll have a thousand milligrams of CBD, which is remarkable. We've been doing focus groups and testing and doing R&D on that for, I mean, over a year. And that product, we're going to launch it. Probably, we're hopefully going to get it in the next 60 days. That's incredible. Well, I can't wait to get it. I'm going to order. (laughs) There's all this like buzz about CBD. What is it doing in skincare? Like, how is it helping? That's a very good question because the claims that, you know, that we make is just that it's what it really does. It connects the cells in a way that they, they self-generate and self-improve. So it's actually a catalyst for what, you you know, taking you back to when you were like younger and had your cells doing their own work. But it has a lot of healing properties. It has a lot of soothing properties and nourishing properties. But I mean, it does a lot more than the labs and the chemists and the scientists will tell you that it does topically. Now, internally, I know they make a lot of claims about a lot of things it does. And I don't know about any of those. I don't vouch for any of those. But uh, I have been taking it internally just for the fun of it. And I I will say, I, I think you sleep better, you're calmer, and you feel better. And they say it has a lot of healing properties. But hemp is a miracle that the reason it hasn't been uh, exploited really was because of the THC that's in it. And the THC, as you know, is marijuana, which is illegal in a lot of places. But once they passed the farm bill and they uh, passed the the laws that said that you could uh, take this THC out of the hemp and just have the CBD cannabis without any of the THC uh, hallucinogenics in it, that's when it became, people started using it uh, for skincare uh, purposes. And so I was fortunate that I just got in on the ground floor of it because I always have my radar up for what the newest thing is. And so I think we have the most comprehensive uh, skincare line of CBD and non-CBD and the non-surgical facelift kit. I think we have the most simple, easy to use one minute in the morning, two minutes at night, exfoliate once or twice a week in the shower and put the mask on 10 minutes a week and you're done. And your skin actually will start to look like you reverse the aging process, whether it has or not, it gives that, it gives the illusion. <laughs> so I've just had nothing but positive results. Mm-hmm. I would never say something that wasn't true. I mean, my audience knows I have only, I have only talked about one product ever before until this one. Um, well, if your audience, so gonna... if they want to buy anything, make sure when they go to leahblack.com, if they put in the promo code podcast, because I have a weekly podcast called Lunch with Leah, it's where you get all your podcasts and it's on Facebook Live noon every Wednesday. But if they put in the promo code podcast, they'll get a 50% discount on the CBD products in the line. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that is so kind of you. Guys, you've got to go and you've got to try this out. And if you if you can only get one thing, I I suggest the the eye cream starting there because it's just first of all, I think that there's so much care that goes into everything. I mean, just I think about the packaging. I mean, not only do you have to skincare is so personal. Not only do you have to make sure it actually works, but then the the thickness of something or the or the the texture of something. So you're in on all of that. And then the packaging and your packaging is done. They individually wrap them and put a sticker on them and there's a note and there's, I mean, and I had one time, I'm, I'm not kidding you, one time, and guys, I've ordered a ton of this stuff. One time I had one, um, 
lid or something. It was the it was the um the moisturizer that you know spins and and it it just wasn't it didn't work. And I knew that that wasn't y'all's fault. That that was just right. every now and then that's going to happen. And I emailed, and I'm not kidding. Within within 30 minutes, Leah, I got the nicest email back saying that they were going to uh, mail me. They had just put it in the mail. Not only that, but uh, two other products that they went and looked and saw that I purchased regularly. I yeah. mean, just the customer service makes you want makes you want to just keep doing it. Well, I'm going to give all that credit to Jason uh, on the customer service and all the social media credit to James minus my Twitter that I obsessively do myself, but they take every, I mean, we have a department of customer service and a shipping and receiving department that they, every order that comes in, we bless it. We give thanks for it. We look up the history of the customer and we treat them like, honestly, like they're our only customer because if you make the customers happy and they get results, and that's why I have the podcast promo code for uh, customers when I can promote it for the CBD line. If you give them a good price, you give them a good product and they see results and they reorder, then you're building, you know, you're building a customer base. And the real reason I honestly, that I've done the skincare and I started doing the skincare is I like to empower women. I like women to look their best and feel their best. And that's why I did all the seminars for years all around the world about from 12 in the morning till 12 at night on Saturday and on Sunday. And they graduated Monday night and we did everything from visualizing, setting goals, getting a prospect list, making a game plan, how to sell, how to overcome objections, how to promote for years and years and years. And it was, and the, the skincare was just a vehicle for that because the whole point was to empower women to live their best life and create a life that they loved and that worked for them. And the skincare was just a vehicle for that because it was a visual example of if you do all these things and take care of your skin, this is how you can look. And then that translates into everything else into your life. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it really is. Well, I think, gosh, I just can't say enough good things about it. And I'm, I am a skeptical skincare person. I mean, skeptical, but this stuff, it just works. It does. And my, my face looks better. I have people who actually say to me, you look, you look younger. Like, what have you been doing? Are you eating better? Are you, you know, did, did you just have sex with someone? Like, you know, I'm like, you look really good and, and just fresh. And, and, um, and I, I do, I think I've, I've never been told that like I have been after using this skincare. See, most people, they may, they, even if you cleanse your face, well, if you don't slough off the old cells, you get, you don't have that glow. And the exfoliant and the non-surgical facelift kit, which is the mask, those two things slough off the old cells. And the mask actually sucks out the impurities. It literally just sucks them out and helps to reduce the pore size. You only have to use that once or twice a week. But if you don't slough off the old cells, you'll you could still have good skin, but you're never gonna have it's like hair when it shines. You either have doll hair or shiny hair. You're never gonna have that facial glow that you're going to have if you slough off those old cells. So, I mean, if you're not using a good wash and you're not sloughing off those cells, you're not going to give your skin the best chance to slough off the old cells and generate the new cells. So that's one of the most important parts of it if you just want to look healthy and have great skin. And then the serum has the most concentrated amount of CBD, 250 milligrams, but the oil is going to have a thousand, which I think will be unheard of. I think will be the only the only person in the world that can have an ounce of something that has a thousand milligrams of CBD, but who knows, maybe somebody else will do better. But um, I just want to keep the customers happy. That's really the truth. Yeah, totally. Do you, now that oil, how do we use that at night before we go to bed? You know, I use it in the morning and then after I, I put it on, I wash my face and put it on right away. And then by the time I brush my teeth and get ready to start putting my makeup on, it assimilates very fast. It's, it goes right in. So literally 30 seconds later, you can put your makeup on, but I leave it a few minutes longer. And then at night I saturate my face with it, but it doesn't stay sticky and it doesn't stay on the, on the, on the, it, your face isn't going to stick to the pillow. It literally assimilates very well. It's a fine molecular structure. And, uh, that makes all the difference too. I noticed when I started using, testing that oil over the summer in my Pilates class, everybody was going like, what are you doing different? And I kept telling everybody nothing. And then I realized one day the only thing different I have done in the last two months was this oil. So I guess it's making a difference. So you tested out yourself 
before you. Of course, you... along with a along with a ton of other people with all different types of skin types. Yeah. When is it going to be available? I want it now. Uh, probably. <laughs> we're talking about that today. We're getting the artwork done. We've got the packaging in. The formula is ready to go. So probably six weeks. You know. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Now, tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I I I think just from my little bit of knowledge. So like. I can tell that you know what you're talking about with skincare and that it works because I've seen the results. But like when I first got the exfoliant, I thought this is thinner than other exfoliant that I've used, but, but it works so well. And I'm like, well, that's really because all this other exfoliant that you would get, you know, just at the grocery store or something. They have it, a, lot, they have a lot of fill in them. They have a lot of it, fill in them. It's yeah. not being made properly. Yeah. So I yeah. say that because I I think people might go, oh, well, this isn't what I'm used to. No, yeah. it's not going to be what you're used but to. But if you notice it, it, sl- it slides and glides really easy. I use and, it every day. Yeah. Is that a problem? No. Mm-mm. No. Okay. But, you know, like I, like my teenage son, for example, he he's addicted to that. He told me yesterday, Mom, I love that, and now my roommate's using it. But um, – that exfoliant, you can't really use it too much as, as long as you're somewhat gentle with it. I mean, you don't want to scrub hard, but you don't want to scrub hard, period. But it just glides on and washes off easily. And it also has a moisturizing effect while you're using it. It's not a drying effect, you know. So uh, that's one of our – everybody likes it. That's one of Jeff's favorite. He always talks about the exfoliant. I like that exfoliant. And even the um, – and then I think the other thing that if one of our listeners gets this, you may think – because I believe that the um, the face wash – First of all, it's amazing. It's great. But when you first get it, you might think, oh, this is kind of thick. But what's wonderful is you just need a tiny bit and you put it under the water and then it thins it out a bit. And so it lasts forever. Forever. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's concentrated because what you want to do is you want to put like, you want to just be able to add water to it. So I could mix it up and add more water to it and sell it and people would reorder much faster. But it's not fair to the customer because there's no difference in me diluting it before I ship it to you than you diluting it once you get it. And then it lasts a lot longer. I mean, you have to always, I always look at everything in life has to have a solid foundation, has to be truthful, and it has to have integrity in in it. And I just feel like if I dilute that product then I'm basically cheating the customer. Same like with the exfoliant. If I made it glides on perfectly and I could make it, uh, you know, thinner or thicker, but it glides on perfectly. It works perfect. And you're getting the longest use out of the product. So it lasts a longer, like the oil, it's going to take, I mean, a few drops. I'm telling you, if I use six to eight drops a day and I use it everything, my chest, my neck and my face and the back of my hands, but it doesn't take a lot of it because if custom, if it becomes too expensive for people, they're just not going to buy it. And I mean, what's the difference if I make that little bit of extra money uh, and if I, or if I keep the customers happy, it's just not worth it to me. Right. You're exactly right. And then the oil, when it comes out, the CBD oil or not the oil, what am I thinking of? The, um, yeah, the oil. Serum, the serum. Oh, when the serum. Comes, yeah. It, it comes out and it's not perfectly clear. So don't panic when you see that. Um, it, it, um, it goes on clear, obviously. But so what is that? Why are we seeing, um, a color like a, a cause it could look almost dirty but it isn't it's like yeah yeah. it's because the natural color of hemp is a little bit uh, a little brown it's like a tobacco a little bit Mm -hmm. yeah we use the minimal amount of preservatives and additives in any product so we could cover those raw ingredients with a thousand different things that would make it whiter than white but there's no point in it because you're just loading up the product people are getting less of the product and more of the preservatives and the, you know, the additives and the rest of it. So if it has a little color to it, who cares? And sometimes I've noticed the color is a little darker than other times because the natural, the hemp that it comes from, the natural plant may be darker on one batch than the next batch. So, you know, it it grows, not every plant grows the same color. So we just do the minimum, uh, additives, preservatives, and, uh, to cover, and, and, and we don't add a lot of fragrance. We, we don't, we just try not to add the fragrance because people don't want to, some people may not like it. People don't want to compete with their perfumes. People that love people don't, they're, they're sensitive to smell. So we just do the minimum and try to give you 
as much of the finest raw ingredient of a, of a product that, and the active ingredient of the product that we can. Right. And that's what it is. It's the, it's that raw ingredient. And I think that that is, that is why maybe if you are used to just getting things constantly over the counter and you get these, you might think, wait a minute, but the serum I'm used to is clear. Yeah. It's not supposed to be like, this is well, actually, it can be. I mean, I used to sell a serum that was clear and it was great, but it didn't have CBD in it. So, you know, there you go. So, I mean, it, Listen, the, the true test will be after you use it a few days, if you notice a difference in your skin, like my son's roommate, who's 18 in college, he was picking in his face every day. Every day I had a little, little area that I could tell he had picked it too much. He had like kind of little tiny acne around the lower part of his face. And I said, and he had this dehumidifier in the room. He said, I think my face is breaking out because of the humidity in Florida. And I said, no, the humidity should actually be good for your skin. I said, you, what kind of skincare? So he shows me, he says, I'm just going to bring you some. So I give three days later, I walk in the dorm and he goes, I'm Mrs. Black. I don't have any blemishes. My face is cleared up and I, my skin feels so good. He goes, I think it was dry because I kept adding all these. I kept adding the stuff to it to dry out my my pimples. And I said, well, of course, because the more you dry your skin out, the more oil it's going to produce. And then when it overproduces the oil and clogs the pores, you're going to get the pimples. So now he doesn't have the dehumidifier anymore in the room. And he's using my skincare. And he threw the one he was using out because it was also discoloring his towels and sheets. I bought him all new towels and sheets. I said, throw that out, throw all that junk out and use this. He goes, I'm going to have to start buying it from you. I go, well, as long as you're 18 and in college, I'll give it to you. (laughs) So nice. So nice. I love it. But yeah, there's probably a million stories like that, which are incredible. You guys have got to, you've got to try it out. I've been showing up publicly, teaching all my business secrets for years, all while leaving my biggest story untold. The story of how my family and I survived the illness that almost killed my husband, Brian. May 7th, 2020, I'm finally sharing our story with the world. If you want to be one of the first to read this never-before-told story, sign up for book updates at sleepingwithastranger.com. That's sleepingwithastranger.com. So I'm interested just in a... For a second, just talking about uh, skincare is one thing, you know, just the product itself, but then you've got, you know, the packaging and the customer service and all that. What do you think is the biggest hurdle that you've kind of had to uh, come across with, with launching a successful skincare line and now having a successful skincare line? Well, I've done it for so many years that it's, it's really, I've got it down to easy and a science. So the, the, most challenging part of, of any business really is getting the customers. I mean, it really is. If you get the customers, you've got to get the customers. Otherwise you have a bunch of products sitting on the shelf. And I'll tell you, Jeff was very generous with me by talking about it on the air. I got a lot of customers from there. I'll get customers like from your podcast. I get customers from my podcast. You know, I get customers from word of mouth. I think most of our customers do come from word of mouth or uh, they read about it on social media or something. But I think the hardest part of any business when you're in sales is, is getting the customers. But once they try it and the kind of customer service that you have, that's why you have to treat Every customer, I always say this with um, back when I was doing events, you have to treat the people who have a $2,000 budget just like you do the people who have 200000 because you you never know who these people know and who they're going to refer you to and everything. So, yeah. And by the way, it's so much easier to fill a reorder than to generate a new customer. So every time you get a, a reorder, I mean, give thanks that they love it. And every time I get a customer, we literally bless the product and give thanks for the new customer because I believe gratitude and being grateful is your multiplying power. Giving thanks multiplies, you know, it gives you more of what you're giving thanks for. So we give so much thanks for every single customer. And seriously, I mean, we do treat them like gold because they are. I mean, that is the engine of any business is the sales. If the product isn't getting to the end consumer, you don't have a business. Um, you mentioned Jason, but how do you surround yourself with people who make your business better? Like what, what do you look for when building your team? 
you know, I'm pretty good at, I don't know, I guess I've just done it for so many years. I'm just pretty good at kind of weeding out the lazy, non-productive, entitled people. <laughs> so when I find someone that's really good, they never leave. Like the girl that runs the office in Texas has been with me since I was 20 years old. Jason's been around, I guess, 18 years. I mean, James, that does all the social media, I don't know, four or five years from the day he started. I doubt he'll go anywhere unless he gets a million dollar job in New York somewhere. <laughs> but um, I am, the, I mean, Fran, my son's first nanny, uh, which basically I, the only time I used her was from seven in the morning until 11 o'clock, because that's when I got my really good sleep after being up all night with a baby. After he didn't need the nanny, and I, she was so, she was such a good person. And I didn't want to cut her loose. So now she pays my bills at the house and manages the house. And she's bilingual and she kind of translates everything between the different people there. So she's been around 18 years. And I mean, the guy that sells my products internationally, I've known uh, since the three months after I started my first company because he took the products to, to Puerto Rico. He's still around. So I... I build the relationships and I keep them because I treat them really good. I don't ask them to do anything that I wouldn't do. And I try to share when, the, when we're doing well, you know, and then when we're not, then, you know, we're not, but if we're doing extra well, I try to reward them and I don't take them for granted. And I, tr I treat them. I let them have their own, like, listen, if Jason doesn't come in on a Monday, I'm not going to complain because I can guarantee he's going to get Heidi or James or somebody else to come in and fill for, fill up, fill for him. So I let them have the flexibility that they can actually enjoy their life and enjoy their job. And our office here is simply gorgeous. It's got 20 foot ceilings, and it's on the water, and it's all glass, Is it and it's in all Miami white. Or in California? It's in Miami, and we're sitting here looking at the boats go by. So, you know, our work environment's nice, and it's very laid back. I mean, everybody here has got jeans on, including me, right? And their boxes stacked everywhere. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we have the skin. We also have the, the jewelry line, and then we have the handbag line. And the handbag line is doing very well, but I'm going to phase it out only because I just don't have room for the storage of it. And uh, so all the handbags at leahblack.com are on sale, or if they're not, you can email us at hello at Leah Black, and we're selling them basically at cost uh, because I have to close them out. They just take up too much space. And so, you know, an eye cream takes up a very little space. A handbag takes a lot of space and I just need the space. So I'm going to phase that out. And so I'm selling them basically at cost, actually probably below cost just to make room because I don't want to open up another space right now. Uh, so, you know, we, we try to like in the beginning, we did the, the gorgeous costume jewelry and the handbags and I love doing it, but the skincare is like, you can't beat everything to everybody. So we're just going to focus on that the next couple of years. Right. Do you ever feel like, uh, with that you spread yourself too thin or that you're involved in so many amazing projects? Like, is it a struggle for you to be all in, you know? No, it used to be when I did the charity, it was, it was a lot. And when I had, listen, when I had the charity and the show and writing the book and the business and my son and my husband all at one time, it was a struggle. Now my son's in college, uh, 10 minutes from my house in his own dorm room. And I'm not doing the charity full time and I'm not writing a book. So it's easy breezy around here. Right. How do you uh, recharge? I sleep. I love to sleep. It's my favorite thing is sleeping late. Sleep late. Yeah, I love it. I love That's it. That's my luxury. That's so good. That's so good. I, I, I'm the type of person who I believe that I can learn anything if I, if I try, if I want to. Um, what does that look like for you? Like at what point do you realize, okay, this is my lane. I can figure this out. Or you know, I don't need to be good at everything. Like what, what do you outsource? What do you do yourself? That kind of thing. How do you decide? That? I basically outsource every single thing that I can, because the more you delegate, the more you free yourself up and the more freedom it's, that you have, the more space you have to create something else. So I try to find someone that's better at everything that, um, that, that we do that's better at it than I am. I interviewed Sherry Salata last year and she talked about her story. She wrote a book called The Beautiful No and how when she reached her mid fifties, she realized that she wasn't ready to slow down and that society tends to tell women uh, after midlife that we're supposed to kind of be done with our dreams and our own stories. Have you ever felt that way or like, like you needed to slow down because you definitely aren't and I love it. 
Now, you know, my husband always says, that what's what's the next big thing after you quit working? <laughs> I mean, there, the death. I mean, there's nothing. If you don't, if you're not working and contributing or doing a charity or doing something every day, what are you going to do? So I ha- I like to stay busy. So I don't intend to stop. You know, I like to manage my time better and have more freedom, but I don't, I'm not, I have any intention of stopping. Right. Definitely. Okay. Here's my final question. Okay. And this, this probably seems silly because you're probably, uh, you're probably the closest person I've interviewed who is close to this, but, um, I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, if you had Oprah Winfrey's money. Yeah. Um, what, and you had to spend it on something totally selfish. What would you What would you spend it on? What would you spend? What would oh, you? Do? It'd be first. It'd be really hard because I'd love to tell to help so many people that I know and so many causes that I believe in. But if I had to spend it totally on me, yeah, selfish. Uh, there's only one thing, and that would be jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> there's no question about that. I love it. I'd I be the it. Elizabeth Taylor of today's world. Yes. <laughs> You always have the prettiest jewelry on. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I mean, I just, I can't tell you how much this means to me. I really appreciate oh, you're, it. Of course. I always like to help people when they're like trying to get something done. If I can help you in any way, I'm happy to do it. And i very grateful for the opportunity to even talk to you. Well, thank you. And I hope that everyone tries your skincare because it really, really is amazing. Well, so. thank you. LeahBlack.com or any questions. Hello at LeahBlack.com. And I'm on um, Instagram at Leah Black Miami, Twitter at Leah Black Miami. You're not going to want to follow me on Twitter unless you're interested in world affairs and politics <laughs> and, and, and a little gossip. And then, of course, we're on Facebook and we have the podcast Lunch with Leah that um, we have a good audience on our podcast. It's fun and it's interactive. So I hope to catch up with some of your audience, too. Yes, yes. You're always fun. It's always fun to listen. So thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you loved this episode of Zimmerman Podcast as much as I did. Leah is a treasure trove of valuable business insight, sass, and natural marketing genius. Thanks for coming on, Leah. You were such a blast to interview. Don't forget to tune in to this week's bonus episode of Under the Cover, where we dive into the process of writing and publishing my upcoming memoir, Sleeping with a Stranger, which releases May 7th, 2020. If you loved what you heard today, even if you liked it a lot, you should subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you back here next time in the Zimmerman Podcast.